All right, and welcome to Busy Making Other Plans. Everyone, I have a special guest today. He is someone who I have known for about five or six years now, and he is someone who has over seven years of personal training experience. Three of those were in Kuwait, and he is also a certified animal flow instructor. And to even top all that, He's had about 10 years of martial arts training, so you really don't want to fuck with this guy. He is my friend, Loris Anderson. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> what? Uh, it's funny. So just to start off, um, as soon as you fi someone finds out you do martial arts, they're like, oh, I shouldn't mess with you. I'm actually the best person to mess with because I haven't practiced self-restraint for so many years. <laughs> that's what it is eh? like when you're really when you do that when you have skills like, like that you can hurt someone with it's it's almost too easy so there's no point see i always envision myself like if i were to ever learn martial arts and i do boxing by the way so you know i'm yeah, i'm kind of skilled but <laughs> i always thought that like if you had it like your instincts would just always kick in like if someone like grabbed your shoulder you would like automatically like try to like flip them or something so yes to a point uh, oh yeah you, you learn how to turn it off or be or to think twice like okay. situational awareness plays a role i have had people grab me and i've turned around to i just break the grip but i don't attack <laughs> it's like break the grip assess the situation and then decide wow okay so the self-restraint piece was definitely something they like taught you in martial arts school um yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. really funny uh, that's good to know though that's really good to know okay so guys he won't fuck with you he's not <laughs> You can attack him. He won't like, do anything. Uh, uh, that's pushing it now. Okay. Okay. Fine. Don't attack Loris. But Loris, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. And I think what our listeners can tell by the name of this podcast is that it is, you know, on animal flow. But before we get into that, like, I think it's so important for people to get to know you and, you know, what is it you do? And I think it'd be nice to like start off with how we met. So Loris and I met about five or six years ago. We were saying earlier that it's like, it's been time. We can't believe it's been like five or six years. Um, but yeah, we were like working at the same gym. Um, it was lifetime. And I remember like the gym had just opened and we were both work. Actually, I was off. I think you were working. And yeah. I remember I was not, I was, I didn't explore the gym. I didn't know like where things were yet. And so I was deadlifting in like the machine area. And I think you were like alone or with a client. I can't remember, but you were like being so polite about it. You're like, Hey, like, have you checked out the alpha training zone? <laughs> and I'm like, no, what's that? And you're like, Oh, they've got these, these awesome deadlift mats. Like it would be so great for you. Um, and then like we started talking and I remember like you piqued my, I, I don't know what piqued my interest was actually the conversation we had after that. When we, I realized that like you knew the same guy that like I was seeing who was like a piece of shit human being. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was like, you used to be like an assistant manager at LA fitness, correct? Yeah. 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 And then he, the guy, like I was seeing, he also was like an assistant manager, I believe. Um, with yeah. you. And he had told me that he had lost his, like he quit. He thought he, he said he quit. Like it wasn't for him anymore. And then you're like, Nope, that's not what happened. Loris. What, what actually happened? Well, so I don't know his story, but we were working together at one of the LA fitnesses. And he was like, but he, but he was fired. Right. Yeah. I remember yeah. it was like, he was fired. And I think it was because he was like wow. going to work high on Coke. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's hilarious. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. he was fired. He was fired. And, like, he told me that he quit. And it was just, like, honestly, he was, like, a terrible human being anyway. Yeah. But, like, that was just kind of the story he gave me. But, yeah, it was, like, that one mutual connection that we were, like, talking from there and just, like, you know, we had like this conversation and like Loris is like the coolest person. Like he would be my go-to person for like questions at the gym or like to work out and stuff. And so, yeah, our friendship flourished. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm happy you see me that way. So, um, so it's funny. The reason I approached you when you were deadlifting is they were telling us, yeah, we can't have anyone doing heavy deadlifts in this area. Cause it's going to scare a lot of the people. Sometimes you might have older clientele in this section. So with like, just direct them to use the, the platforms upstairs. It's better anyway. So I'm like, hey, check out the Alpha platforms. If you like deadlifting, you're going to love it upstairs. <laughs> I mean, it is a really sick place. I didn't know that was the rationale, but that's yeah. so smart because a lot of people are intimidated at the gym. Yeah, unfortunately. It breaks my heart, too. I never understood it, um, but I – but like – I empathize for people who, who are intimidated, but like for me personally, I don't think I've ever had that experience. So that was me. Actually. I was the one that was super intimidated to go to the gym. Oh really? Bought a gym. You? Yeah. I got a, yeah, I know. Eh? <laughs> when I was like 19, I got a gym membership for a month and I never went. I was just too scared. What were you scared of? I did find them, um, Cause I was, I was like super skinny. I was always skinny growing up and because I'm tall, it just emphasizes how skinny I am. <laughs> so the Jamaican term is MAGA. Anyway, any Jamaican <laughs> listeners will get a kick out of that. But yeah, so, <laughs> so um, I just felt that everyone's going to be stronger than me and everyone's going to be judging me for how weak I am and how skinny I am because that's kind of mm-hmm. what I was accustomed to. So it was just really intimidating. It's like um, it's like a an alpha macho kind of persona you you expect to feel at the gym. But, it you know, and often in most cases, it's not really like that. You know what? It's um and the thing is like no one is actually thinking that. Like when you're at the gym, you're literally just focusing on yourself. Like I never notice other people and there's like not someone that I can like remember distinctly like oh I remember seeing that person they were really skinny. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's all in your head like no one actually thinks anything. But my university because they wanted people to be less intimidated going to the gym actually put a rule in place where you're not allowed to have uh sleeveless shirts in the gym. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I guess it's so you don't get intimidated by other people's gains. I like that was what I was thinking because I, but I don't know. It was like the most annoying thing because it mostly impacts women. Like we're the ones wearing tank tops, like sports bras. So that was why it was so annoying. But that was the rationale. They did like a study on it. I think it was like a 20 year old study. So I feel like they need to go back to that. It's an old rule. Yeah. Yeah. They always base all of these things off of old studies. Yeah. But yeah. So it's really interesting that you actually, you know, kind of felt that, but with the alpha training zone, I'm happy they made that because like, it's pretty sick guys. Lifetime is a really cool gym. It literally is like a mall. It's just so freaking huge. It's beautiful. That's the most immaculate gym I've ever been in. It has something for everyone. It was fun. I liked it a lot. Um, I don't think I've ever paid for a membership there. I don't know if I would do that. Kind of pricey. (laughs) Me neither, but damn, I enjoyed it when I was there. Yeah. It was great when it was free. But, uh, Loris, um, so that was just part of your career. You were working there and then you had this amazing opportunity to go to Kuwait. Can you tell the listeners about that? You tell me about that. Cause I still don't understand. Like one day you're just like, yeah, I'm going to Kuwait. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of keep it at hush hush. Um, so I always felt like I needed a bit of adventure in my life. Um, for any, um, Arabs out there, salam alaikum. 
Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, I I met a lady at um, at a caravan actually, and she turned she told me that she was a, a trainer as well, and said that it was a lot of fun to train overseas, especially in the Middle East, and that like you can make a lot of money. So at the time, that was my mindset, and I just wanted to take myself out of my comfort zone, see what I can learn about myself, see how I can grow as a person. And after applying for like six months without getting any response from anyone. Um, that same lady, she went back down there to work and she sent me a contact of someone who was looking. So I spoke with them and um, it went off pretty well. They liked my personality. I uh, did a, um, a Skype interview uh, back when Skype was actually booming. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the lady, she liked me. Then I did a Skype interview with the owner. And that was really cool. Um, he was very personable and it made me feel comfortable to trust them to go all the way down there. Um, I also did my research on the Middle East. Um, the first thing you think of is, you know, bombs and, and terrorism and stuff. Yeah. But, um, Kuwait's like very, very safe. You know, I was safer there than I am here in Canada for sure. Um, and uh, so, oh, that's interesting. I know, right? Shocking. But uh, he um, paid for my flight and paid for the insurance for my flight. And that really made me feel safe as well. They also paid for my first month's rent. They paid for my phone bills. And my car rental. Oh my god! Holy shit! So I had to get my international license here, and that would be acceptable down there. They drive on the same side of the road as we do here, but the driving is insane. That is an amazing opportunity. Like yeah. I want to go there. Like I don't know what I have to offer if they need podcasters in Kuwait. <laughs> but what a sweet gig! Yeah, it was proper. It was pretty good at first, man. I, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the culture. I speak a little bit of Arabic now. I learned a lot about Islam, like firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a good time. Um, I had clients training during Ramadan as well. Wow! And so, so you had multiple clients. It wasn't just like one. No, no, I had multiple. That is really really cool. And so, tell me, like, what is something that's really different, or how like. Uh, like health and wellness or fitness how is it treated there that's like a little different from here uh there's a little bit more vanity over there so um there's a lot of quick fix solutions Mm. and a lot of um not so qualified trainers and not so qualified dietitians uh one thing that blew my mind is there's a, a pill you can take that's kind of like a balloon that just takes up space in your stomach to stop you from eating too much i think it stays in there for like three to four weeks or something like that. Oh my God. Um, I know, right? It's even to the point where I saw a commercial for it in the movie theater. Oh my gosh. We do not need that here. People will take it. Like people will actually take it all the time. We don't need that. Yeah. It's yeah. That's insane. Now, now question. Um, did you have like female clients? I don't know what Kuwait is like. I like, I'm half Persian, so I know what it's like in Iran, but I don't know about like Kuwait, like can women train with male trainers? Can they train at all? Excellent question. I didn't know you were half Persian, by the way. That's cool. Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah, I am. Uh, People can't really tell. Like only Persians can tell because of the eyes. (laughs) I see. Fair enough. So, um, so surprisingly, my clientele was about 70% women. That just oh. seems to be my demographic, even here. Um, the thing is, in the Middle East, uh, once you work with a female client and they're comfortable with you and they realize that you're not like slimy or a sleazeball, they immediately spread the word to all their female friends. A gossip. Yeah, it's a lot of word of mouth there. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so do you think you had to like 
Did you think you had to put out more boundaries with the female clients just because um, it's just a little bit different there? So I was very much aware of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I'm always, I pride myself in my professionalism anyway. Yeah. So it was just the same thing. Just a little right. a bit more con conscious effort. Yeah, no, that's true. You're right. You are like a really professional person anyway. That's really neat. I actually didn't know. So like, tell me, what do you do for fun in Kuwait? Like what is like a night out? So <laughs> very good question. Kuwait is a dry country. So no alcohol, no clubs, uh. no bars. So um, I just worked out a lot and um, tried to explore driving as much as I could just to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually I got introduced to the quote unquote underground party scene. See, yeah, that's where I was going to go get at. I'm like, there's usually like an underground party somewhere. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I fell into the right crowd. Um, like people who were safe about it as well and knowledgeable. Um, and there was alcohol and whatnot as well. Uh, so some of it was homemade, some of it was like real stuff, but it was super expensive, mm. <laughs> like $300 for a bottle of absolute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's bottle service in Hamilton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, in S Village. S Village. Oh my God. You know. <laughs> yeah. I've been around. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. But like, that's really cool. You got to at least enjoy the underground. I really hope you didn't buy like one of those bottles of absolute, maybe a few times. I got gifted that from some of my clients actually. Oh really? Yeah, I drank some of the moonshine. It took a while to find some really good stuff, but some of it was really proper and safe. And I, were, um, so good. That's what I was going to say is like, I'd be too scared. Some of it's dangerous. Uh, but then again, I just managed to find the right crowds, people I could trust. Mm -hmm. And we would do these excursions. So there's really tiny islands out there too in the Gulf. It's maybe the circumference would probably take half an hour to walk. So they're really small. And we'd take a boat ride out there and we'd kind of party on the boat on the way. There would be a three-hour ride. Then we'd party on the beach a bit and then a three-hour ride back. So it was really good times. <laughs> That's really fun. Ooh, I love a good island party. Oh, the water is crystal clear and it was warm. It's like bath water because it's so hot out there. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Oh my gosh. And so did you get to travel like in other places while you were in the Middle East? I did. I traveled to Spain, actually. I went to oh, um, my second home. Right. But I went to Madrid for a wedding. Oh, cool. Um, I also went to Egypt. I visited the pyramids. I climbed the pyramids. Wait, really? Um, You're allowed to do that? No, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> I, I got kicked off. <laughs> um, I also went to Bahrain a few times. I went to Dubai like five times. Um, and I went to England as well. Amazing. And so are those people literally just like dripping in money? Yeah, yes and no. So like, um, yeah, the, the natives, are, they're, they're quite wealthy by our standards. I was going to um, say, the first so, thing I can think of is like that Russell Peters, what do you call it, stand-up show where here it's like in like Canada, you're like, I'm rich, I have a million dollars. And then like in the Middle East, it's like, what pocket did I put my million dollars in? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yo, seriously, man. Holy. <laughs> like, um, so in Dubai, they like to show off a lot and there are quite wealthy people there, but it's mostly like the top end. But in Kuwait, more it's more of the common people that are quite wealthy. Oh, so, that's good. Um, Fun fun fact in Kuwait, um, the the Amir he passed away unfortunately uh, recently. But I don't don't quote me. I heard the I I don't have anything to back this up as fact. 
But um, from what I heard from several sources, he gave himself a huge raise. And so, so a lot of people were upset with that. So he paid off everyone's debt for the whole country. Oh, shit. Yeah, so they love him. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. How can you be angry? It's like, okay, you gave yourself a raise, but you also like got rid of my debt. What am I complaining about? You just bought that a was house smart. The car. Yeah, man. I know. Yeah. I would have bought like everything if I knew that was his next move. Like just fucking go crazy. Yo, straight up, man. <laughs> wow. And so when you were in Kuwait, when did you start thinking about pursuing your animal flow certification? Because I know it was in Kuwait where you kind of had that thought, correct? Actually, before I went to Kuwait, I was interested in it. Um, the reason for that, one of the martial arts I trained in is capoeira. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. No. It's um, a martial art that was brought to Brazil by the African slaves. They weren't allowed to defend themselves, so they made it look like a tribal dance. So it looks like breakdancing and gymnastics, but it's actual combat. Its roots are rooted in combat anyway. That is and very interesting. Had, it just looks so cool, really primal. Some of the crawling movements on the ground and the way they're able to manipulate their bodies, I thought was beautiful. And when I looked into animal flow, they borrowed a lot of movements from capoeira as well. So sure. that's kind of what piqued my interest. I'm like, I need to move like that. I need to be a ninja. Going back to my martial arts roots, I always wanted to be like um, parkour and being agile and being to evade and escape and just traverse any type of terrain. Mm-hmm. It's been a, like a dream of mine since I was a kid. <laughs> Of course, of course it was. You know how that goes. Yeah. Jumping off of swings, climbing fences, and all that foolishness. I never did that, but like that sounds like a, a you thing, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So that's kind of like what made you want to pursue animal flow. Yes. Yeah. At first, yeah. Yeah. And then so you decided you wanted to do that. You go to Kuwait. When is it exactly that you start you decide to like actually like get certified? So when I was in Kuwait, I'd like to come back for the summers because um, most of my clients would travel then. Mm-hmm. So I'd have like two months of almost no revenue. So I figured I'd just come back home, spend time with my family and get a certification while I do that. So uh, Animal Flow was the one I chose to get one of the summers. Yeah, that's nice. And then, so we actually did an Animal Flow class um, prior to recording this, you, me, and my roommate Morgan. And honestly, like it was a really unique experience. Like I had done animal flow like before, like sometime last summer and like it was very informal. It was just like a friend who knew how to do it. And it's like a lot of core strength is what I realized. Yes. And it's just like for people who don't know animal flow, you're like very close to the floor. You're like on the floor kind of moving around. You you do look like an animal. Like the, the poses, like one of them was beast. Like that's that's an animal. And I think it's really fun because it feels like you're just like, dan- you feel like a kid again is how I felt. Yeah. Like you're just, dan- you're like dancing on the floor, like doing some weird moves. So it was really, really fun. Um, and a, like a really good core exercise. And you just feel so sick. Like when you get the whole flow of it, you're just like, wow, I just did that. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Loris, what did you think of my animal flow? Yo, you guys learned very quickly. I was thoroughly impressed. I'm so, so happy was- to hear that. Honestly, if we had like an extra half an hour, we could have done like, we could have perfected that one flow for sure. Yeah. I think that it was, it was like some, like here, hear me out. I have been working on my core like crazy. Okay. Like I've got some really good obliques. Um, I've like, 
Yeah. So that's why I feel like it just went so well for me. I was like, I got this. Like I, I have the core strength. So I think like if we did have that extra half hour, I would have been like super, super cool. And even after we were done, like I actually stuck around and like practiced a little more like that same, um, the same, um, combination. And it was, it was good. I think people should do it. Um, because it is a really fun experience, but I think they should also know like, what are the benefits of doing animal flow? Oh man, the benefits are like way deeper than you would think. So, um, as you mentioned, we're on the floor a lot. You're on your hands and your toes, not the knees. So right off the bat, that's working everything, your entire body, uh, not to mention your core. Um, and the quadrupedal movement, basically meaning walking on hands and feet, uh, that really helps to stimulate the brain. It gets both hemispheres of the brain communicating, which helps with cognitive function, problem solving, concentration. You've noticed you had to focus a lot before you go through a movement. Mm -hmm. um, it was also multi-planar, which means like you're, um, you're balancing on opposite limbs. That takes a lot of neural focus as well. So like your brain's ability to um, work through the central nervous system and activate the muscles on opposite sides like that is, is a lot more challenging than you would think. So again, with focus, cognitive function, concentration, it's even um, when babies learn to crawl, they start crawling like lizards first, then like, uh, then like mammals. And that actually is where they develop their cognitive function for problem solving and focus concentration. And also binocular vision and hand-eye coordination, being able to look in the distance and being able to look close up almost at the same time or going back and forth between the two. It's um, amazing. And some of the other benefits are it stretches your fascial nets. So these are like systems throughout the body. So first off, the fascia is like the casing for the muscle. If you think of like, you know, a sausage, if there's a bend in the, in the sausage, you can't bend it back because the casing of it is crinkled. So you have to stretch that casing in order to get the, the meat mm -hmm. to stretch out. Same way with the muscles, but we also have them interconnected across the body. So think of an X from like your shoulder coming down to your hip and then the other shoulder coming down to the opposite hip. So the side kick through where we pull the arm back and you stick the leg out, that actually stretches that net. So all those muscles that are aligned with that movement will be stretched. And then same thing on the other side. Yeah, it is a really good stretch. That's actually really interesting. The one uh, piece of information that you mentioned about how uh, babies crawl like lizards first before mammals, I, I didn't even take that in. Yeah, that is like a form of animal flow. That is like something they do. Yes. It's really, really cool. To kind of put it in perspective, what I showed you guys with the animal flow is maybe like 20% of the curriculum. Um, so the, we actually do have a crocodile locomotion uh, we have a leopard as well and a bear. They're all different for very specific reasons, but very difficult. The crocodile is the hardest one. The crocodile. I love that they're named after animals, like rightfully so, but it's just, it's so funny because you're like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing the crap. Yeah, right? I'm a crocodile. Yeah. It's like, it's really funny to say. So, one of the things too, um, with our, when we're doing flows, when we're doing the advanced flows, level two only, you incorporate traveling forms into your flow. So, uh, but you are, you're limited with how many steps you can take because it's like you're trying to paint a picture or, or project a story. So if you transform into an animal all of a sudden, then you do too many reps with that. It takes away from everything else because they just look cool. So Im immediately all the fascination is, oh, wow, that, that's really cool. What is that? Then you want to see that again. But 
you know, there's there's so much more to it. <laughs> so we're limited. For instance, the crocodile, you only take one step. But with the other bees, like the bees, the crab, you can take up to three steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking, like, even when we were doing, um, I can't remember what it is, but like, yeah, I kind of want to stay in like one position and kind of do it again, because it was like really cool to look at. You're, look at, you're absolutely right. But like, there is like so much more you can do. And I'm like, no, 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 I want to do this again, though. I looked really sick. I was getting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, first class, right? So that's totally understandable. Yeah. It was fun. I think like, um, it's definitely a unique experience. Like it's not like, you know, a CrossFit class, um, where you're going to be doing like a lot of exercises with your body and, you know, just a lot of movements and like, I, 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 they're different. It's definitely like a different way of exercising, but you certainly are using your body and you certainly are stretching different muscles. It's more like, would you say it's more of a stretch than like a workout? So this is the unique thing with animal flow. It can be both and it can be more or less of either depending on how you want to train. So you can do the movements slow. You can do the movements fast. You can do the movements for reps. You can do them for time. You can do EMOMs. You can do it for conditioning. You can do just the stretching movements. So it's literally whatever you need. And why, who, like, who is like the right candidate for animal flow? Like who are the people who benefit from it the most? I think the people that benefit from it, the benefit from it the most are those who want to get in touch with their inner child, those who um, want a physical form of self-expression as well as exercise, and those who just want to have fun. But it will help. So if, I mean, if you have stiff joints, it's going to help with that. If uh, you want mobility, it's going to help with that. If you want strength and coordination, it's going to help with that. So it, it honestly, it appeals to everyone. But I find the people who uh, are the most adventurous benefit the most from it. Those people who really? are very determined and like um, uh, don't mind repeating a whole bunch of things to, to get perfection almost, <laughs> those really benefit from it. That's actually very true. Yeah, because you need to make sure it like looks right. So you're going to have to go through it over and over again. Yeah. I remember when I did it in the summer, like last year, um, it was fun the one time I attempted it, but we did have to like go over and over and over again. And like, it was weird. It was like, I like 50% of me is like, wow, I have having so much fun. But like the other 50% was like, oh, we have to do this over again. <laughs> so it was like so hard for me to like make that trade off. But then like I did it again and I'm like, no, 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 I really do like this. I really don't mind doing the repetition because it is fun. So it's, yeah, it's like you're going to perfect it. But like, again, like you're getting in touch with your inner child. So it's almost like uh, like playtime. For me, it's cold. For me, it's um, exercise through play. It's literally the yin to my yang. I like to lift heavy weights. I like to beat up my body a bit. So the animal flow is perfect. It's the perfect combination for that, which allows me to stretch and lengthen and get better at moving and explore sure. my body better. It's It's awesome. And do you usually like do animal flow before you start a workout or is it like a good cool down? Both actually. Well, I really like to use it uh, as a warm up because it, it warms up my nervous system. It gets all my joints lubricated and I don't have to think about, you know, I got to stretch my legs. I got to stretch my hips. I got to stretch my back. I got to make sure my spine is right. If I, I've designed flows that give me everything I need for the workout that I want to do or just for pain relief or decompressing the spine or. Um, some of my clients have hip issues, so we have flows designed just to open up the hips at first. And it, yeah, so anything and everything. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. 
And so people like may who are interested in like animal flow, like is this like it, it's again, it's going to be like a very different experience. And like with you going into it, people might get it right away, like Morgan and I, or they might like be it might be difficult. Do you find that m the majority of people find it difficult to get into or is it something that can be easily like uh, understood? So it's all across the board, but I try to tailor the class to my students, um, especially if I'm doing one on ones. I had one client in Kuwait who had. She really enjoyed it, but she had a very difficult time with coordination. So we really, really drilled certain movements, um, but like, you know, only to a point. I didn't want to overload her and make it boring. So we'd work on bits and pieces here and there. And like a couple of weeks later, all those pieces just naturally come together. You should see her now. Her flows are insane. Do you still train with her? Every now and then. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. when, you, when you left Kuwait, like, were people, like, sad or was it, like... <laughs> yeah, I still get requests for me to come back and live in Kuwait. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, why did you move back? Um, I felt, I just felt it within me that it was time to go. I felt that I learned what I needed to, and I kind of wanted to build a base and a life here back home. You can live in Kuwait, but it's difficult to, to like, really to spread, uh, to put down roots and then spread out. Like, I can't own my own business there unless I have a partner who is 51% owner, I can't own property either. I think they had, I think they have similar rules as well in, um, Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Um, I did a project on them. That's why I'm like thinking about it, but, oh no, it makes sense why you'd want to come back to, uh, to Canada and you were born here. So like naturally like your friends are here, your family's here. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I also came back to be with my girlfriend too. Wait, are you still together with her? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, great. How long has it been? Oh, man, like three years. But the first year was spent with me in Kuwait. Yeah. Oh, okay. Three years. That's a long time. Are we are we like, are we close to another milestone? So uh, moving right along. <laughs> You're like, uh, I do not want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, so you can ask women about marriage, but dudes, nah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll hide true. from the subject. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like every man I ask who has like a girlfriend, I'm like, so like, you know, is that conversation you're having? And they're like, oh my gosh, like if you ask her, <laughs> yeah, very different answers. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, that's so nice. Yeah, I knew you had a girlfriend. I just didn't like know if you guys were like still together. Yeah, yeah. Is she also in fitness? She um she really likes to work out, but she's not like a she's not a fitness professional. Oh, okay. So it's almost like you know sometimes opposites attract. I was about to say opposite. She makes lots of amazing baked goods, so I have no choice but to work out. I'm trying to out train the the goodies. Oh yeah, you got to eat those. It's hard when they're right in front of you. Even harder when your girlfriend makes them because it's almost insulting if you don't. Right, and they're damn good, man. Oh yeah. Uh, you're gonna, I just bought like some brownie mix, and um, I don't bake. I literally don't know how to bake which I know how to cook. I learned how to cook before I knew how to bake, which is like a really weird thing. I feel like females always learn how to bake first, but I bought brownie mix with the intention of learning how to bake. Cause I think that's just something that I need to like add to my skill set. Um, so I'm very excited to eat those. Honestly, just make the brownies from scratch. It's, it's really easy. Yeah, but I'm new. So I just, I wanted to do the mix. first. It was so easy. Honestly, <laughs> just look up a recipe and follow it. It's quite simple. I know. It's like really just pretty much just butter, sugar, cocoa powder, and I think that's it. Maybe yeah. something to make it rise, like baking powder or something like that. Like I'm sure I probably have all of those things around here. Yeah, trust me. I made brownies like the first time not too long ago. I, I like to bake here and there, but I try and bake protein-based things just so it's healthier. So do you put like protein, like a scoop of protein in your brownies? 
um, not the brownies, but other things. Yeah, like I do protein cookies, uh, protein cheesecake, um, protein banana bread, protein coffee cake. Now that's actually, um, you know, now that you bring up protein, I actually do have a question about that. Do you like recommend people having protein shakes after working out? You should always base your nutrition on whole foods. Protein is simply just an easy way to get uh, the protein in, the protein shakes rather. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like, oh, you could drink it or you could eat it. So it's like, what do you prefer really? And if you're having a hard time getting food in, like say you have a very busy schedule, you just can't make time to get good nutritious meals in, then, you know, throw in a protein shake at the end of the day or something or after your workout. And do you find pre-workout to be necessary? Like, do you actually see a difference for using it versus not? Uh, Yes, I definitely feel the difference, but it's not necessary. So I've been practicing intermittent fasting for, shoot, like, oh man, maybe 13 years or so now. And um, I've worked out, fasted with uh, pre-workout and without pre-workout. And it's honestly, it's all the same. Well, it's not the same. Like, you're definitely going to get a kick from the pre-workout. So I'd recommend pre-workout. If you're feeling really sluggish, really low energy, but you got to get that workout in. See, it's so funny because um, what me and my roommate do um, is we have like an espresso shot. <laughs> Honestly, that's perfect. Well, I won't say perfect, but I mean, a protein or pre-workouts are mostly caffeine anyway. You get a bit of amino acids in there too, but it's mostly caffeine. I used to do yeah. I do a shot of espresso, fast it, and then go work out in Kuwait. I do that. Do you do fasting just because? What? Wh- why do you do fasting? Is there like a reason? Um. So, okay. So I started because I I just wanted another way to to burn a bit of body fat, and I, from the research I did, it seemed to say that you know you'd burn a lot more fat, you'd tap into your fat stores, you'd become almost using ketones. Uh, the more research I've done now, it suggests that the, like that does happen, but not to the degree that a lot of people think or hope rather, mm-hmm. but it's a great way to reduce how much food you eat throughout the day. If you only have a smaller eating window, you're not going to get as many calories in. So it's great for calorie management. I feel like if I did that, like I would just eat more like during my window. Yeah. See, so that's what I did. I don't, I would break my fast after my workouts. So I'd work out fasted and then that would, um, was it, that would give me the excuse to pig out hard. I would eat good food, but to eat a lot. I'd like to, my favorite mm-hmm. was leg day and then go into like all you can eat sushi or like chacos or something. Oh, chacos. Ah, uh, my heart. Love that. Yo, good times, man. So then wait, then that means that the fasting, is it like counterproductive or is that really not a problem? It didn't seem to be a problem. I did a few experiments on myself. Like I'd wait an hour after my workout. I'd wait four hours after my workout. Um, and I was getting stronger. I was like, you know, breaking my records while fasted. So um, my blood work all comes back nice, normal. So mm-hmm. no issues. And now it's just a lifestyle. It's convenient. Yeah. You know what? My dad fasts as well. And it, he's lost so much weight, like like a significant amount of weight from fasting to the point where I think he only has like one meal a day and like no snacks. And it's like crazy to me because I'm like, how are you not hungry? But he says he's just gotten used to it. And his energy levels are still like really high. Like he's got more energy than I do. Nice. Wow. Okay. So uh, yeah, your body, it's insane how the body will adapt. Um, so your hormones specifically ghrelin and leptin, if I'm not mistaken, those are your hunger hormones. They'll make you feel hungry. 
And they'll, you'll notice that it'll happen almost the same time every day. Your body finds its own schedule. So once you start fasting, it just gets used to that. And the levels will start to peak and fall around your eating window. So that's, he won't feel hungry throughout the day. And his body's figured out another way to use energy throughout the day. It just gets more efficient at using it. Yeah, no, I guess that is what happened. It's so fascinating to me because I'm like the opposite. Like if I don't eat, like I'm going to die. Like I get really hangry. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so do I. And I get headaches and diabetes in my family, right? But as soon as I started fasting, all of that went away. That is so true. The reason my dad did it is because like his best friend like had diabetes or something. And he said, it's like, he doesn't have diabetes anymore, which I don't understand. But like, yeah, he read this book and it was like so helpful and his life is like completely changed. Yeah, Fasting is one way, a great way to, uh, to reduce your chance of diabetes and sometimes to manage it. It's not the beginning and end all. Like you obviously want to see a doctor first, but um, the concept behind it is your insulin spikes to break down food that you eat, right? Specifically sugars. So if you're eating high starchy things like rice, baked goods, and obviously sugar, synthetic sugar, it spikes your insulin right up. But because um, that sugar, it, it's not sustaining for the body, your insulin then drops right back down again. So it uses the energy and then it's gone. So that up and down motion, like the huge peaks and huge valleys is what can lead to diabetes later on. But when you fast, because you're not eating for so long throughout the day, your insulin stays very, very steady. And the peaks and valleys won't really affect you too much. It's not doing it as much. So less chance. That makes so much sense. And wow, no one's like explained that to me. Okay. I No, it makes sense now, truly, because I remember asking my dad the same question <clears throat> and he could not give me an answer as like how to explain it. But that now it makes sense when you don't have as many like peaks and pits like going up and down throughout the day, like you are staying fairly like stable. Yes, yes, yeah. There's a, there's a bit more science involved in it, but that's like it in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really good. And so, um, you know, moving back to animal flow, I think that it was an experience that I truly did enjoy. And like, I would do it again. Um, my roommate's done it a few times, believe it or not, she's been in an animal flow commercial. Loris, I don't know if she shared that with you. She did. <laughs> I'd like to see the commercial. Yeah, I, I seen it yet i haven't seen it it's because her flexibility and mobility is so awesome she could hold those poses and make it look really beautiful yeah of course she can make anything look beautiful <laughs> uh, is she around the blush for that one or what <laughs> no she's not <laughs> but it was it's funny but it was a really good experience and the reason it's the reason why i wanted to talk about it on my podcast too is because i really do enjoy animal flow and i think it's something that people should do because it's not something that's like popular not yet but just wait yeah and it maybe it'll, you know like just the same way that like kickboxing came in um crossfit like the f45 team training like i think the next thing is animal flow definitely a lot of people are moving more to um quote-unquote functional training and what i mean by that term is uh, for anyone listening is um uh, movements that are going to benefit your everyday life, your day-to-day -day activities. And animal flow is definitely going to do that. Um, my training regiment now is geared towards longevity. I don't want to walk with a cane ever. I want to be doing backflips when I'm 50, <laughs> things of this nature. Animal flow is definitely going to keep my hips and all my joints healthy and safe. My posture has improved from it. My clients' postures have improved from it. Again, with the overall just body awareness to balance is improved. My clients don't slip and fall anymore. It, it helps with everything. So I 
I think for a lot of those reasons, when that starts to come out more in the mainstream, it'll become a lot more popular. And also with this whole quarantine situation, you don't need any equipment and you don't really need much space. That's so true. And so uh, if for anyone listening, if they are interested in doing animal flow, then they should, I think everyone should co- connect with Loris. I think Loris is like the great, per- a great person to, to lead you through it. He was really good at uh, showing me and Morgan the moves and, and the flow of everything. So Loris, how can people get in contact with you? So you can check me out on my Instagram. I'm going to get a lot more active on that once I'm able to, when I have a facility or once it warms up. And it's underscore blackflip underscore. It's B-L-A-C-K-F-L-I-P. Um, I came up with that name back when I was doing parkour. And I'm like, oh, yeah, when black people do backflips, it's a blackflip. Yeah. So so they, <laughs> there you go. It's Oh, well, no one will forget it. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> That's so funny. And you don't just do animal flow. You still are doing personal training as well. That's correct. I'm also doing uh, Zoom classes for animal flow. Um, and, um, like I like to build programs as well. So if you want a week program, a month long program, a split, anything like that, I'm more than happy to help out. If you just want advice, I'm happy with that too. Yeah. Honestly, the one thing I remember from Loris, cause, um, we trained a few times and he would always tell me to squeeze the motherfucking shoulders for like everything, like for every <laughs> fucking move, I had to squeeze the motherfucking shoulders. It was just really bad. Uh- <laughs> That's how it goes. So, you know, I still remember that for every single thing. Every time yeah. I'm doing like a row, I always think of your your voice in my head. You're like, squeeze the motherfucking shoulders. Yeah, that is my goal. So <laughs> that's awesome. So, and you understand the reason for that too, right? I think I I think I do. Isn't it just to like engage like the like the lats? Is that what it is? Yes, the lats, and also just with um everyday life, our posture as human beings has become terrible. The shoulders roll forward, and that's from texting, working on the laptop, driving, everything's always forward. So our body adapts to that. So the upper back, the muscles responsible for keeping those shoulders back get really, really weak and lazy. So you got to emphasize pulling them back. You need that mental energy as well. You know, it's so true. I remember in second year, I had like amazing, amazing posture. Like I went to like a physiotherapist. I was getting a massage, but a physiotherapist gave me a massage. Uh, Very odd. But he told me, he's like, you have amazing posture. He's like, this is like, I haven't seen posture like this in forever. Like, good for you. And I think it was just because I was always remembering that. It was so fresh in my mind. And I always like was squeezing my motherfucking shoulders. Now, because I am always working like from my laptop or when I was in the office and I just kind of forgot all that shit. Like I, my posture is terrible. Like I have, I have lower back pain. I feel like I'm 50. Oh, like, yo, not good, yo. I not know. Good. All right. So next flow session. Uh, one thing you can do actually is practice the crab, hold the crab position. Cause it's literally aligning your body with everything that you need to counteract the bad posture. Yeah. Shoulders have to be back. Shoulders pushed down. Um, and that will definitely just hold it for like two minutes and see what it feels like. Your, your shoulder blades. Will be no, I'm literally going to do that like right now. Cause yeah, I need to work on that. My again. Yeah. It's a, I have a terrible back. I used to be great and I just like dropped. My dear, you are still young. You can build that back in no time. I'm going to try, but you know what? Um, I think that kind of concludes our session for today. I think you answered a lot of questions that our listeners might be interested uh, in hearing. And I'm so glad you decided to join me for an interview. This has like, been very informative for me personally. 
And now I'm going to like go practice my animal flow to improve my posture and also work on my core. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's been fun. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. And everyone who's listening, um, if you really like Loris, go give him a follow on Instagram. You can follow our new Instagram account as well for this podcast at busy making other plans. It will be in the link in the bio and thanks for listening. We will see you guys next Tuesday. Scandalous. Insatiable.